right, everybody, welcome to the Innovation Crush Variety Hour. As we've just found out, we're going to be well entertained today. And we might have a conversation or two, too. I, uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, my name is Chris Denson. I hope everyone knows that. This is Innovation Crush, where we cover all things marketing, ideas, innovation, smart people, talented people. Multi-hyphenate people. Um, I, I have that. Oh, you want you want more? Keep them coming. Um, brilliant people with gorgeous nails. Um, you know, people who do it well. And today, <laughs> the ball does not stop uh, because we have Jess Weiner here with us. Say hello, Jess. Hello, hello. Um, and thank you for being here. This it, is great. Listen, it's my pleasure. You don't know yet. We just started. You, All right. You, I'm, I'm hopeful, though. <laughs> um, why don't you give us the the 101 on Jess Weiner? Who are you? Where'd you come from? Why do you exist? The, oh, my God. Why do I exist? <laughs> well, let me start with... I'll start with my why. Do you ever see that Simon Sinek start with why TED Talk? Yes. One of my favorites. So my why... Actually, a great place to start. So my why is I am a social entrepreneur who is committed to changing the messages that we send to women and girls in media and marketing platforms. So... I didn't know how to say that when I was a young girl growing up in Miami, Florida, but I knew that I was passionate about media and at that time, you know, television yeah. and radio. I'm a little pre-internet age, um, <laughs> but I always was really passionate about how powerful media was and right. and specifically as a young girl so impacted by it. So I've spent 20 years building a business that's been committed around having this conversation with large stakeholders mm -hmm. in the space as well as consumers and trying to, like it's a puzzle, trying to figure out um, how to make better messages, more on point messaging, how mm -hmm. to resonate with audiences. But ultimately, I feel like I advocate and work for the for the betterment of the, the larger conversation for women and girls. How You mentioned this as a, as a young kid or a young girl, young, yeah. young Jess. Yeah. Um, what was it about media that impacted you and how so? Like, I can tell you. We all watch TV, right? Totally. <laughs> and, and I can tell you the books. exact moment. Well, I was a girl growing up in Miami during Miami Vice days, right? Oh, nice. And I was a little ethnically ambiguous back then, which, I mean, just I looked like I didn't see anybody on TV who looked like me, right? right. I had a little, like, Jufra. I was a little tan. I had buck teeth. It was kind of like, and I remember everybody Are these was my, photos available online? Uh, <laughs> only in my mom's house. <laughs> all right. Um, but, you know, I remember, I just remember looking looking for people who looked like me in media. I mean, I loved TV. I loved after school specials. I loved soap operas. I mean, I was looking for a reflection of me. And the closest I came was Nancy McKeon in Facts of Life because, <laughs> not because she wore overalls, but because she was a brunette, you know? And so I just right. remember as a young girl, like everybody was blonde. It was Farrah Fawcett. It was Cheryl Ladd. And so image and identity were an issue for me as a huh. young girl. And so media played a role in that. I was constantly searching for where's the slightly curvier girl or where's the brunette or where's the funny, you know, right. sidekick friend and not always, you know, Juliet. And so I just remember being interested in that. I didn't know what I would do with that, but I loved theater. I was trained in theater and improv. And so it was one of those things where I think I naturally evolved into a storyteller that included social issues and media. Right. Um, you know, and, and I've read that a lot of your work is focused on self-esteem, right? And and when you tell that story, it doesn't sound like there was a self-esteem issue there. It was just more like, hey, where where is everybody? Is, well, it was the beginning of a self-esteem issue, I'll okay. say. You know, I think for me as a young girl growing up, body image was certainly like foremost in my mind as right. a young girl growing up. Feeling non-traditionally beautiful, just not really looking out and seeing a lot of reflection back of a wide variety of ways to be a woman and girl in the world, right. you know? Um, and so, yeah, I spent most of my adolescent life and 
and and into high school and in beginning of college struggling with identity like a lot of people do but again I, I'll place us back in the 80s and 90s where this conversation wasn't as mainstream right. as it is right now um, I didn't have access to the world wide web and I couldn't <laughs> click a button and, and get connected to other people so it felt really isolating right. and not really sure what I could do about it, but I loved performing and I loved writing and I loved storytelling. And so I loved the business. I just didn't love always the message the business sent. Do you think it's easier? Because, you know, when you think about the idea of bullying or just, you know, the 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 downside of what you experienced and yes, you didn't have an internet to go to, to like, oh, find a resource or find help. also think that there's a flip side to that where the internet can be super mean. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, look, I'm a girl with the last name of Wiener, okay? So, like... True. I didn't want to pre- say anything. I mean, I'm just going to... I'm going to call it out. I mean, I was... I mean, I was bullied for lots of reasons, but I was bullied because of my last name. And I remember, you know, you could get tormented in the halls of your school growing up, but I would go home and I'd be safe in my kitchen, living room, bedroom. And yeah. now girls are not. I mean, now the, the constant barrage of right. messaging and connectivity is 24-7. And so I do, I'm very grateful, although the growing up for me had really rough moments. And, yep. I, and I'm i so grateful it wasn't in a public sphere like it is now for young people, which is why my work is even more charged for me. Because right. with all of the communication, with all of the connectivity, there is still that same like loneliness for girls and disconnection for girls and women. And I'm always curious into where we can, we can put that back together for them. Yeah. Um, so when someone picks up the phone and calls Jess Weiner, what are they calling you for? Calling me for a variety of, of services. We do customized consulting for mm-hmm. large stakeholders in the women and girls space. So any brand or business that's focused usually typically has a large platform um, and, and reach because and not that that has to be exclusively so. Sure. I mean, I love entrepreneurs and I love startups and I love great ideas, but I'm also really interested in the systemic change. Right. How do you get the big, big stakeholders in this space to move just a little? Because when they move just a little, it ripple effects yeah. quite a bit. And because, and to your point, innovation, you know, we don't always associate large brands with innovation, right? It takes a long time to get that there. I'm interested in that part. So I customize um, my consulting services and we do everything from, you know, creative strategy on a product launch or a marketing campaign to deep and deep stakeholder and influencer work. That's part of my passion is actually being able to bring the right voices, visionaries, researchers, experts into a business to really help elevate the conversation for them and, and shape and affect future work. Um, one thing that, you know, a, a, a standout moment, at least for me, from your career, uh, has been your work with Dove. And, cool. you know, I've been infatuated with, like, the way Dove puts itself out there as a brand and is unafraid to say, like, hey, there's a broader base of women that should be recognized, and we're going to be the ones to do that. Can you just walk us through a little bit about your role as a global self-esteem ambassador, correct? Yeah, did say I, that I with more that? confidence. I nailed it. I nailed yeah, it. you did. Yeah, I didn't want to look mean, at my notes, and I, I knew... <laughs> So, uh, you know, it was a personal test. I'll tell you. I mean, I feel like also no one can see us do this, but I do feel like that title comes with a wave. Oh, like there, it yes. should come with a wave. And a like cool a, tattoo. Hello, right? thank you. <laughs> um, so I became the Global Self-Esteem Ambassador for Dove almost nine years ago, right like a year after they had launched the campaign for Real Beauty. And I was right. specifically working with teen girls, young girls, um, both online and off. I was writing an advice column for Mary-Kate and Ashley Olson's website. I know you visited that frequently. Yes, that's how I first Uh came across you. This this woman's writing is phenomenal. (laughs) So I thought that was you. Yes. Chris XOXO1. I got that. Um, So I, you know, I heard about and was contacted by them as far as the what they wanted to 
do within the space of women and girls and talking to girls about self-esteem. And so I joined forces with them and it has literally been the best partnership and most ideal for lots of reasons because one is talk about a big stakeholder. They were the largest. And at the time they took a huge risk as a business because, you know, they were a beauty brand talking about beauty in a way that others were not. And more so they hit a nerve, which is why I think you are so obsessed like many are about they said kind of the unspoken at that time. We talked about retouching and airbrushing and challenging beauty standards. And I loved the boldness and bravery. And also something to note with Dove that I think is also really important is that their work is always grounded in research and cutting edge research and insights that I think give them the advantage and um, to have that conversation. And so, you know, I came on board to help with some of the curriculum, to work on the girls programs. I do a lot of, you know, media appearances for them and, and host those workshops. And I love it because it is, taking a large platform and niche focusing it to an audience who normally wouldn't get these services. I mean, we've reached 15 million girls with an hour of self-esteem programming in the last five years, like 15 million girls (laughs) worldwide. Like amazing. So to me that marries my why and their why together. And, um, yeah, they're, they're an amazing brand and they're only, only getting started. I think there's going to be great things coming. I mean, the one thing that, that amazes me about it is, you know, not only is it a commercial, right? It's not. It's not a commercial. It's not like a print ad. It is a movement, right? It's, you've, it is a movement. You know, when you take it to the streets and you're talking about workshops, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what happens in the face-to-face environments? Yep. You know, in those, like especially taking the brand out and go like, okay, not only are we saying this, we're also doing it. Oh yeah, and we're doing it with a lot of um, great partners as well. So we've worked with Boys and Girls Club, Girl Scouts, Girls Inc. Um, we work with a lot of local market partners depending on the event. And we host self-esteem workshops for girls small as 25 girls, large as 250 girls sometimes. Wow. And what we do, the curriculum really varies. We've got amazing tools that are available online at Dove's website, plug, plug. And um, the tools can vary from how to navigate through social media. We yep. do a lot about bullying, but specifically body bullying and appearance bullying, mm-hmm. which is what girls are so faced with. Hair, face, teeth, body shape. I mean, yeah. you know, so we talk about where that fits in personally, and then we talk about where it fits in culturally. And so we've done some great, one of my favorite ones we just did um, end of last year, uh, we did a workshop with beauty editors from magazines and girls from the Palm Springs area. And we created our own magazine called Positivity Magazine. And we taught these (laughs) girls about how to write slugs for the cover of a magazine so that they could understand what gets sold to them and how, if they had the chance, how would they co-op that message? And the headlines these girls came up with, while simple, were very effective. Like, you know, they would come up with, um, he's stupid, drop him now. (laughs) You know, (laughs) or they'd come up with stuff as wonderful as like. Which is true. It is true. (laughs) And it also is great as you know, you don't need them to approve of you 10 steps on how to love yourself today. I mean, these girls were were tapping into conversations that we should be having more in the media and selling that message. So, but but they were working with editors. So they got a chance to understand why doesn't a magazine put that on the cover? How come we like to buy magazines or or products that, um, you know, tell us what we can fix instead of celebrating what we have? I mean, that's an important conversation to have with a 14 year old. She's a consumer, she's smart, she's savvy. And I love, so that's a part of our workshop with Dove, you know, so it, it widens to include a lot of different areas around self-esteem and confidence. Uh, you mentioned this idea of, or not the idea, but it's a global movement, right? When you say 15 million girls and women around the world, yep. um, what are some of the cultural differences you see? Because I would imagine like this conversation, in, or maybe I'm wrong, and, you know, Eastern Europe is going to be different than it is in Canada. 
Um, so what are some of like the differences and similarities as you go around the world and you see like what you know, fixing or helping to fix some of these? Uh, it's to- you're right. It's totally different based on the markets you go to. And the conversation is at a different evolution point in those markets. Right. So I think in the U.S. we had a revolution talking about airbrushing and retouching. And I think right now in some markets, they're just getting wind of that. In some markets like in Europe, I mean, London and France have been way ahead of the game as far as talking about photoshopping and airbrushing and banning that from from advertisement. So one of the things that was most, I think, of, of distinction for me was, you know, talking to women and girls in um, India, Indonesia, China, where the idea around real beauty, unretouched beauty, or Japan, you know, unretouched beauty, mm-hmm. not Photoshop, no makeup, hair not done, the stuff that in the U.S. was sort of really revolutionary to try on and talk about. In some countries and cultures, that isn't uh, comfortable for them, and that doesn't feel like they're they're not they're honoring their culture, or they're yeah. honoring their their rituals, and so that's an important distinction to make. We can't come at this with a one size fits all Western mentality, yep. you know. Um, so there, we talk a lot more about access to education and opportunity. We'll talk a lot more about how to use your voice in a family or a system that may not be listening to you all the time. Yeah. You know, you, we dial it in, dial it up based on you know what we need to do to connect to the women in that market. But beauty as a topic around the world is incredibly variant and different. I mean. Yeah. And women come at it from different different places, and that's why it's such a worthy conversation to be having. Luckily, I'm ugly in most places I go. So. <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> I'm looking at you right like now. Same, that's not true. Same thing. <laughs> um, uh, so that's that's awesome. And what's you know what's next? Is there you know is there do you take this and create sort of a digital platform for you know cross trans or transcontinental communication with one another? Because um, I, I think a big part of it is knowing you're not you're not alone. You yes. know, it, you know, it's one thing you say when you talk about you being a girl and you felt this way, and it was just you and the television pretty much, right. um, but not realizing like, oh, there are. The, I like to refer to it as the Me Too moment. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, there's wow, there's so many other people. I don't feel lonely, and now I feel more empowered. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, are you talking about plans for Dove specifically or about Just others? in general. I, th- I mean, you know, Dove Dove sounds great, but, it, you know, I, I just think in terms of where you are with the idea of self-esteem and improving that and ha- provi- helping companies build platforms and messages that, that do it. Like, is there sort of a, a means of unifying it or yeah. are there platforms out there? That- it's, that's a good question. So the work that I do with Dove is is focused, you know, specifically to to that conversation around self-esteem and beauty. The conversations that I'll have with other clients in different ways, um, and Dove is probably one of the only partners that I have where I'm really consumer facing and and out there as well as a spokesperson. A lot of the work that I do tends to be more behind the scenes or um, as a connector internally. Um, But I, I, you know, we have lots of different, I think that the level of of communication around confidence is just beginning, actually. And my fear, I guess, for the industry, the confidence industry as a, as a whole, is that we don't get too caught up on, like, all these empowerment messages, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I know in the last year, I think we, we counted, I don't know, 20 brands that got into the go-girl marketing space. And while, listen, on one hand, I'm incredibly happy that we are having this conversation, celebrating girls and women for more than the size and shapes of their bodies and right. their looks. I also encourage the people that I work with, the clients that I work with, to not become lazy in that messaging. That it's not a one-size-fits-all message either here in the United States anymore. And that mostly, I believe that social campaigns of any shape and structure have to be rooted to real change, or else you're full of it, quite frankly. And I think girls and women know that. I think parents especially are looking for that in in what they're consuming for their children as well. They want to know it's a full, holistic approach. So I think the evolution for this conversation is 
it remains global. I think it remains rooted in grassroots partners who actually do the work on the daily because you can do a great 60 second spot and have an amazing, amazing um, result in social media. But how many lives did you really touch on the ground? Exactly. And I think businesses need to pay more attention to that because I think sooner it'll become a differentiator. I mean, everybody's got the same go girl, you're amazing message. But at the end of the day, what, what differentiates you from others? Yeah, is what that, are you doing? What are you doing? Exactly. Yeah, it's funny because one of the questions I was going to ask you is this difference between like, especially when you have like a sort of a similar my serious message there's a balance between feeling like the soapbox brand totally. versus the you know the the brand that's actually out there engaging people and engagement is a, is a very different metric than yes. you know than creating a, a, a good message and you know and you know from from working within this business too you know this there you know media and brands they're not some like random you know room down the hall with with you know faceless nameless people they are they're humans and we're all complicated as humans. And so sometimes the biggest work that I do is actually internal education and advocacy for these issues because everybody's not level set at the same place on this. And everybody, I have to say this from every executive I've ever worked with and creative folks, everybody's got the right intention. Mm -hmm. They want it. And you know, they've got a business imperative, but they have a a moral imperative too. They want to do something that feels good, makes them feel good about their work. But this is a complex issue. And so it requires a different lens to look through. And so, you know, sometimes internally it takes a long time to get people on the same page. But ultimately I think that's how real systemic change happens. That's great. Uh, when you talk about your why, I also think about the how. Uh, yep. And I also heard that you infuse a lot of humor and improv into some of your consulting. I, tr- I try. <laughs> <laughs> but you have a background in a comedy, I've heard. And uh, so tell us a little bit about that and like how your background in performing arts yeah. kind of feeds into what you're able to do today. I would say more more performing arts than comedy, I think. But I my background was in performance. And so, you know, the question I get asked a lot, because I've been an entrepreneur my whole life, I mean, since I was 20 years old. So I've never worked for anybody else. I've never clocked in, clocked out anywhere. Like, I've built my own business Lucky. since I was 20. Lucky, dumb, <laughs> smart, exactly. awesome. I mean, it's all those things, right? But yeah. I didn't know any better. And actually, I didn't even know to call myself an entrepreneur when I was doing it. But what I was doing was I was being improvisational with my life. And so my approach and the approach that I work with my clients, I talk a lot about the yes and. You know, in improv, right, you and I are doing a scene and we walk into the room and I tell you the sky is green. If you tell me the sky is blue, boom, scene is over, right? Conflict. Conflict. So one of the ways is that additive, right? Yes, the sky is green and it's raining, right? You build into it. And sure. so for me in my life, I've always had that approach because it was just something that I loved and was it felt natural to do, which was like something came this way. Okay, I'm going to accept it. And what do I build with it? And I think those are great skill sets for entrepreneurs anyway. I think performers and people yep. train. I think it gives us an, an added edge. You know, I can improv a room. I can read a room. I can help, you know, creatively pull things together. It's fluid and flexibility. Um, but as an approach to business, I think it's really important, especially talking to women and girls, because yes, and can also speak to the yes, and girl and woman. It's multidimensional. Sure. You know, she likes pink and she kicks a soccer ball. <laughs> like there's more to it. And so I think in terms of advertising and marketing and, you know, I, I use that to get into the cultural insight and then out of it, something creative, hopefully that that builds to the next level. No, it's, it's I mean, it's really important, especially in today's culture where social things happen you know, 24 seven and they're all like attention grabbers. And so if you're going to be improvisational, it is how, or, you know, how do we take advantage of this situation or how do we participate in it? um, Do you advise your clients or do you have any thoughts around like how much is being of the moment and how much is sort of like sustaining your brand message and, and impact? So I'm a marathoner, not a sprinter. 
Um, and I and I feel like everybody's in a sprint with social media. You know, yes. it is. And, and and there's some truth to that. Listen, I mean, you know, first out is great or a great way to respond quickly is important. But I feel like my point of view with the people that I work with is that if you want to create a long lasting, connected, authentic relationship with a consumer base, then you've got to have a long term conversation with them, which can be challenging in quick and choppy social media. So it doesn't have to be the same conversation the whole way through, but it needs to be rooted in the same whys or the same tenets and principles so that it's it, it reminds them of your authenticity and credibility over and over again. And Dove is a great example of right. a company that does that. Consistently, they deliver on a promise and a brand is a promise. And that's that's what we're, you know, what we're doing. So I feel like um, for, for the folks that I work with, I think my advice typically is find where you can authentically sustain a communication point with your audience. And, and don't worry about hopping in at all the right hot moments, yeah. but be there to solve for them. I think, you know, I think consumers and especially I work with a female demographic. I feel like, you know, moms, for instance, they're super savvy. These are purposeful parents. These are people who are like get that a brand is pushing something. So how are we going to show up for her in a way that might surprise and delight her, might get her more connected to the message and also ultimately more connected to her family? Because at the end of the day, she's not that interested in like falling in love with this brand, having a love relationship. She right. was falling in love back with her family, with her job, with her time, with her life, with her own dreams. And so I think brands and you know can be fully about their business imperative and also fully about making uh, communication and connection with people better. Well, it's, it's really getting back to the root of, you know, the hopeful, the, the hopefully why reason people get into certain businesses is a service, right? You At the end of the day, you want to do a service to your customer. And I think the the level of service um, that I receive for, from the brands that I engage yeah. with, uh, like my bar is going higher and higher, right? Yeah. So it's a, it's a really interesting approach. Yeah, people have high expectations now. And that's hard, too, for brands, you know? I mean, that's hard <laughs> That's hard for sometimes small brands to break into the conversation, right? Yep. Because they may not have the bandwidth or the market share in that way. And I think the ones that do it really well are are the ones that have hit a, a nerve that that's not being talked about. Yeah. I feel like there's this, and you use this word a lot, um, and a lot of the copy I see around your name, but uh, this, this idea of empowerment. Yeah. Right. Um, can you give us the Jess Wiener uh, definition of empowerment? To, yeah. I was going to say, because it's, it, I also like that there's a duality. You're empowering the brands as well as the consumers. But. Right. I, I like to think we're I'm, I'm a conduit for that communication or a provocateur of dialogue. Provocateur of provocateur. dialogue. Yeah, I just want to whip that out because it sounds <laughs> awesome in the microphone. Um, I think that um, my definition of empowerment is having the skill set needed to have important self-discovery moments in your life. So interestingly for me, I don't think empowerment is about feeling confident or, or having high self-esteem. I think those are great end results, but I think the journey is way more interesting. So I think if you've got the skills to go on a journey of self-discovery, you are empowered. And those skills can be anything. That's access to education. That's opportunity. That's influence. That's inspiration. That's, you know, self-discovery is about curiosity. It's yep. questioning. Th those make powerful, confident people, right? I don't believe in kind of like the slap a band-aid on you. Okay, you feel empowered. Like go, that's why I get critical about the go girl stuff. Right, like it's serious Soul business. Cycle. Yeah, it's serious business <laughs> to build someone's confidence, right? And it takes years of therapy right. in some cases. <laughs> in some cases. So anyway, <laughs> empowerment for me is getting the skills you need to go on a great journey of self discovery. Uh, what do you want people to walk away with you when they have an encounter with Jill Weiner, mm. personally, professionally? What do I want them to walk away with? 
Um, well, I'd personally like to walk away with um, a check. No, <laughs> yeah, a check and a kind. <laughs> I mean, I, I'd love for them to walk away with three things. I think one is that they understand their role and place in this conversation, and they feel confident that they can get involved in the bigger picture conversation with women and girls, and and challenge some of the stereotypes that are out there, challenge some of the limiting messages that they may be participating in without knowing that they're doing so. So one is knowing their role. Mm-hmm. Two is I want them to walk away with the understanding that their role is important. You know, a lot of times, I mean, listen, and it's a fair argument. I have marketer clients who will say to me, look, it's not my responsibility to raise people's kids, right? I've got like X number of units I need to get out or I've got this campaign to launch. And fair enough. And I think business is business. It's, it's, you know, and so, but I want them to know that even within their business imperatives, there is a way to do it better and to, um, and to be stronger as an advocate for this conversation. So, I want them to know their role. I want them to know that their role matters. And third is I'd love to give them a little bit of your, you know, special sauce, which is I want them to think in a, you know, creative, collaborative, innovative way about how to evolve the conversation. Because one of the best things that they have going is they've got a massive platform audience and they still do. I don't care, you know. And so how are they going to move and shift and shape? They can't underestimate that social impact. And so, you know, know your role. Feel confident that it's important, and and then shake it up. Shake it up. Shake it up. <laughs> um, no, it's, it's interesting. Are there any other brands you see out there that have done it well? Like you know, especially the the point number three of shaking it well, up and taking this conversation. Well, now you're putting me on the spot. Um, I would say. I mean, we just came off of watching the Super Bowl yesterday, right? Yeah. So, how did you feel about that? Watching all those ads. You know, I was impartial. You right, like it's, it was it was it was weird. Like you know, there were a couple of good ones, um, but for the mo- and I was also hosting something, so I was running around. Yeah, you got it. But you're uh, trying to sell Girl Scout cookies. <laughs> I, I got hustled when say, I came in here. Hey, man, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, once your daughter's a scout, you're a scout too. That's right. Um, so I actually have the whole uniform in, in my size. <laughs> All right. Uh, you're lucky you didn't get that version okay, of the, the separate sales pitch. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I th- you know I I feel like it's kind of like oh we, we just one up each other every year, but then who remembers the products like who remembers the the thing i will say a couple of days before i found these toyotas like uh, there's like a bold dad kind of oh thing. yeah oh my gosh i but i wake up super early and i was must have been like six o'clock on the couch on the saturday morning and i'm like tears in my face because yeah. at these like uh, different stories with dads and their kids to sell a car well, I thought Toyota was one of my favorites. Yeah. The bold dad I loved because I thought it was um I thought it was appropriately emotional. There was a ton of emo ads on, yeah. on, on for the Super Bowl. And that's again another watch out I would say is like it's great in the moment you capture that emotion, but where's the action? Right. So, um and I like the way that Dove Men Plus Care is heading as well in their conversation with dads. I think that's um an important conversation about care being an important attribute of masculinity. Yeah. Um so I'm really I'm I'm, par- I'm partial to the brands who also again go back to being rooted in 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 real work. I mean probably one of my gold standards is is N- Nike, which my people didn't know was behind the girl effect. Mm-hmm. And you know the work that they've done to eradicate poverty for girls in third world countries and to educate them and to get them, you know, out of the system that they've been in is remarkable. Yeah, that's very true. Um, so I have a quote from you. Uh oh. But in my experience, my life isn't about being even. It's about embracing the flow, the fluidity, and the uncomfortable process. Uh, and this is some writing on a theory of yours about harmony versus balance. Um, yeah. You want to divulge on that a little bit? Well, as a woman, I get marketed to 24-7 about how to put my life in balance. And I think after chasing that, 
copy for a while. Um, personally, I, I don't believe in balance as much anymore. I think balance is a great ideal. I don't think it's practical. And so for me, harmony feels more practical. Harmony means that there can be chaos, there can be imbalance, right. but I'm in peace with it. So, you know, look, I, I run I run a business. I have employees. I just got married a year and a half ago. Congratulations. Thank you. So I'm loving, you know, being with my partner and out in the world and, um, and supporting his work. And so, you know, my life is never going to be in balance, I don't think, you know. And so what I can make peace with is am I in harmony? When I'm in chaos, am I fully in it, engaged and present? Woo! Yeah. Just going crazy, hair all. You know, <laughs> I have that look, actually. So, you know, but, like, am right, I just no, being kid, in peace with the, the thing? And I also think for women that's a particular, like, moment because I feel like all the time you're just like be a super mom and be a super career person and everybody's always trying to talk about the marriage of the two and I think you can have it all you can't have it all at the same time and so can you be harmonious in that imbalance and forgive yourself and stop trying to live into some sort of picture perfect ideal uh, of that and instead you know I like messy harmony that's that's my goal messy harmony I like that um, you talked a little bit about uh, family dynamics and like how dads are becoming cooler and I look at you know uh, just how family structures are changing, right? The roles of parents, um, when you look at stuff like either either gender identity or this yep. whole dad conscious kind of movement that's happening, um, blended families, all just all the different dynamics that are a little bit more spoken about now. Yeah. Um, how has that changed your approach to you know how brands can enter the marketplace and how should messaging shift? I love this conversation because I think the role of dads is so juicy as you can probably yes. attest to. I mean, and not just in the typical like, oh, there's a dad and they have a market share. Let's go after them. But like, what is today's dad really feeling, thinking, experiencing? And what I loved about like just going back to last night's Super Bowl, what I did love about that was you could have picked six different conversations about dads in yep. those ads that didn't exist last year. So, I mean, I think we still have to go to the source and they need to keep be talking to us about what life is like as a stay-at-home dad, as in a blended family, if that's their choice, um, or in a traditional family, whatever that looks like for them. Um, I think especially where I come in with girls and women, you know, dad's playing a very important role in the life of a girl, whether that's a daughter or whether he's a teacher or a coach or an uncle or a friend. Like, I feel like we've left men out of the conversation with confidence for women and girls, and we absolutely need to invite everybody to the table to have that conversation because boys are incredibly impacted by this and boys grow up to be daddies some you know and so you know i feel like um i feel like it's important to redefine masculinity as we're redefining femininity for audiences that's great it's uh it's very it's just one of those things i've been paying attention to probably like in the last two years how do you feel as a dad being marketed to like that does it turn you off or does it interest you i don't know you know i um it does not turn me as long as i think like anything it's if it's relevant and you're like haha that's so true like you know creating that me too moment if you if and i think that's where authenticity comes in because if you you know if you've identified a market segment and you're like okay cool let's go after them but you don't really understand it you don't kind of live and breathe that culture you don't have you don't capture the voice the right way you know it's it doesn't work and i'm like i'm, I'm a hip-hop generation kid and like that's yeah. all about authenticity and like you're you'll have a hard career if you don't match the mm-hmm. you know the brand values of uh, of, of a hip-hop hit yeah <laughs> so so it's really interesting did you see the cheerios dad spot 
where the dad is doing his song, right? Again, it's like, yes, it's like yeah, a rap, yeah, 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 but yeah, I would yeah. not. It's not hip hop, but it's you know, <laughs> right? I just I loved. I like for me the brands that popped to my like. I think Cheerios has done an amazing job. Cheerios has of, done a great job of talking yep. about dads and showing dads in different ways and showing family and their bad hearts and their bad <laughs> hearts. Hey, Daddy, well, how cute was that commercial? <laughs> I mean, but I mean, also they broke a big mold, right? So did Honeymade. Like they yeah. broke really beautiful molds that needed to be broken around what families look like. And yeah. I think that is next conversation for marketers out there. Don't even begin to think you know what families look like. And I know there's some you know brands you know sometimes can be very slow to wanting to talk about that because they don't want to alienate a consumer base. But I think that what the brands that I like to work with and, and, and collaborate with are the ones that are really willing to be on the leading edge of a conversation around that. And right. I think, you know, again, going back to girls and women, it's not just mom that impacts girls or stepmom or sister. It's dads and grandma and cousin and auntie and, you know, friend of family that is clo- like, there's just a really beautiful way for us to all be in family now. And I'd love to see more of that reflected in our media. Yeah. Yeah, but then my next in and out, I'll, I'll see what the what that commercial is like <laughs> with, my, with my family. We're like a bunch of arguing in the car, going to the. No kidding. Um, so so uh, we we you and I were talking about this a little bit earlier before we started. Uh, this idea of personal brand and creating a personal brand and managing a personal and growing one. Yeah, uh, and you also you know it, when you have a company that's literally your name, <laughs> right, uh, or literally your namesake versus you know when you're working with these big corporations and I'm imagining there's some medium and small ones in there as well. Yeah. Uh, what are you learning from these bigger businesses that you're applying to the Jess Wiener brand and business, you know, tactics? Ooh, okay. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I resisted even calling my, my company talk to Jess for a while because I thought I was looking for all those really cool marketing terms, mm-hmm. you know, and then at the end of the day, it would always come down to a phone call or an email and the phone call or email would always be like, Hey, so-and-so told me to talk to you or talk to Jess or, you know, I would always see that kind of board. And I thought that's actually an important role to play, which is the connector, which is that, you know, connector to research or experts or insights or influencers. Right. And so what I see in the in the larger brands as it relates to my business is that, you know, they have a specific obligation to shareholders, to their, you know, um, ROIs, to their um, bottom lines. And that's always important for me to remember because I also come from the world of advocacy and activism, right? right? And so, you know, I do believe that change is both an evolution and revolution. And the more I learn about business and, and, and the way different businesses are run, the more I can understand, well, how do you really need to make change here? It doesn't happen all the time from a petition or from boycotting. How do you work internally as well as externally? So I think I get great lesson and insight into what stops a great idea from going yeah. through a business, you know, I've seen amazing ideas hmm. die on the vine, as I'm sure you have yep. as well. And it's not always a one size fits all issue, right? Sometimes yeah. it's a person. Sometimes it's timing. Sometimes it's someone else's business unit grabbing budget where they, you know, I mean, it's like there's a million reasons why good ideas die and innovation doesn't happen. And so I'm interested in in that as a learning tool for me as a as a connector. But then personally, the benefit that I have is that I don't, I'm not obligated to shareholders. You know, I'm not obligated to um to sell a, a, a particular widget of any kind. Right. My obligation is into the message and into the conversation. And that's amorphous. That can change and flow. So I, I, it's good for me to remember their business imperatives and then ladder it with my fluidity. I mean, I think that's why we can make a good team. 
So Dove doesn't send you out into the marketplace with like a briefcase full of <laughs> products and you guys to go door to door? No, not typically. <laughs> okay, just double checking. Although who knows? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the evolution there. Uh, no, we're going to use you for our door to door campaign. What? Um, if they were going to make a reality show about you and yeah. your life and your work, um, what would you want the world to know about? Okay, first of all, I even have the name of it. Do you want me to give you the name? Oh, oh, it has you nothing... go, you've done this. Well, I know. I, it's not really, I'm not really making this <laughs> Let pitch. me show you my sizzle reel. <laughs> Actually, I have an audition prepared for you today. No. I mean, I, so m- the, the best part, if somebody were going to make a, a reality show of my life right now, I would want to do something like a, you know, live in La Vida Lopez because my husband's last name is Lopez. We just got married. And, you know, I married a man who comes from Mexico City. He is the most authentic, creative, connect. He's a fine woodworker and furniture maker. And, you know, what I love about this part of my life is it is this crazy good life of collaboration. And I think female entrepreneurs in particular um, really don't talk enough about their relationships and their, whether they're in marriages or not, or relationships or not. But for, for me, he was breath to my life in a way that I really needed to balance or to harmonize. Um, (laughs) And I love that part of me. It's allowing me to tap into other creative areas in my life that only partnership can let you do when you're with the right person, you know, and I'm, you know, I've, obviously we all been with wrong people, but um, this is a good right one. So I imagine that that probably would be more interesting from a public consumption standpoint. But I have to tell you, I will never talk about this, you know, super publicly because my my clients, most of them are behind the scenes. But if I ever could, I think what's most interesting about the work that gets done and it's not it's not good for reality TV because it's not fast paced and dramatic enough, but honestly it is the slow and steady change of watching a business shift. I find it fascinating. And that probably is very nerdy to say, but I do because at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I also teach, I teach at at USC and I teach a personal branding class. And every semester I've got 12 weeks to watch my students evolve. And I can Mm. see a change in that period of time, but I've had some clients for, you know, Dove's nine years. I've had some clients for four years, five years, and to get connected to a business unit for that long and to watch them shift. Um, it teaches me a lot about what is possible. And so I love that, you know, again, I don't think it's going to be real sexy, but (laughs) <laughs> it's no, fun. No, but I think it's, well, first of all, it's, it's I would watch that show in a heartbeat. You would, yes. You would be my audience <laughs> of one. <laughs> no, it's funny. I mean, you mentioned the sort of long term. I mean, you could always profile different businesses and talk about like yeah. how long it actually took them to instill that's, certain things. Well, that's a good so idea. You, you want to do free, that one? Yeah, all let's right. do it. Let's do Done. it. Done. Boom. All right. Somebody that? make that contract. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Um, you heard it here. It's, this is legally binding, just so you know. Oh, I'm in. 50/50. I'm all in. I'm <laughs> 50 right, We'll negotiate that. No, it's, but it's very counterintuitive to, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but just to think five, ten years out for a brand, um, you know, what is the uphill battle like to mm-hmm. keep saying, like, ignore what's happening right now for a second. Right. right? And, like, Let's cast this video. Like, is that a difficult thing to bring a big company on board? And like, how do you get them to say, pause for a second? Totally. You know, truthfully, I think most companies are incentivized when obviously when things are not going well right. and they're trying to figure it out. So it's a lot easier for me to work with a client who's had declining sales or who is in a PR incident at the moment in order to illuminate maybe what's underneath that they need to pay attention to. Right. Um, so sometimes moments in time allow brands to take a step back. But I have worked with some amazing visionaries and leaders who uh, are working three to five years out. And it's not popular internally, right? Because no. we're all creatures of habit. We want it to be what we know it is. And, it, you know, we want to see the results. And 
I think those leaders are far and few between, but I, they're the ones that move the progress forward. And, you know, when I think about girls and women in particular, and I think about the evolution of conversations that's happened just in the last 10 years, and I don't want to undercut that. I do think brands and businesses have done an incredible job of helping us further that, but there's still such a long way to go right. that I think for me, I feel like I'm not anywhere near being out of business yet. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I'll keep rising to the challenge as long as they'll have me. Well, they even think about moving forward, but conversely taking a look back. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you've seen in the movement that you can attribute to, you know, like the success or evidence of success from your labor, right? Like, do you see where you've literally made an impact and you go, oh, my God, like this is the thing that I, I know. It, it makes me know it's working. Yes. I can't talk about some of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> but no, I mean, I'm looking at you with this slice. No, yeah. I mean, I see results. Well, first of all, I see results from a couple different ways, and I and I can talk about the results that I'm incredibly proud of with um, with Dove and working as their global ambassadors. Are those girls? I mean, I you know a large part of those 50 million girls, not all of them, but some of them. You know, I've had a chance to see face to face. And what I can tell you is that at the end of the day, no matter who's sponsoring the program or who's written the curriculum, when you're in a room with 50 13 year old girls, 12 year old girls talking about self-confidence, um, all the branding part goes away and you're in a room to do a job and your job is for that hour to fill up those girls with inspiration and education so that right. they have a day different than today, that they go out the door. And I've had conversations and emails and letters from those girls you know, over the past eight years that have blown me away. That truly, I mean, I, I can count myself fortunate to know, and I actually paper my office wall with it because that's my mm. reminder every day. Right. Like when a, when a girl that I met when she was 15, you know, now is 25 and running her own business. And a big part of that was because she got to, you know, do a, a life skills workshop or a curriculum workshop that focused on confidence. Um, I get to play a small part in that. That's genius. And I think the other things that I get to see out in the world is I will see. I'll see ads that are different. I'll see marketing campaigns that took a different turn because I was able to help facilitate some sort of insight that got them there. I mean, I think anybody who works in advertising can say the same thing, right? When you're a part of the creative team or you're part of the think team that's gotten there, it's amazing. What's different for me in the work that I do because I take the relationship so, you know, seriously is that. I don't, it's not a Facebook post. Like I can't humble brag about it. It's stuff that for right. me, the the end goal is the ultimate shift and change. And these are all just really exceptional moments along that's the fantastic. way. fantastic. Yeah. Um, no, that, that's, I mean, it's, it's great just to be able to, you know, when you talk about like most of us in the marketing industry, like we're, we're not solving a huge social problem, right? We're trying to get somebody to tune into a show or, you know what I mean? Like, right. but you know, to, so when you, so we can't, yes, it'll be cool to see like that creative that I came up with, but it's another thing to go like, wow, I've impacted some people's lives in a very meaningful way. Uh, yeah. Well, so. little known fact, I mean, I, I have like 13 young mentees that I work with on a daily basis. Have you basis. given them a name yet? Yeah. Oh. They got lots of names. <laughs> they got nicknames. No, I mean, these are young girls and girls in college and high school that I um, that will write in to the site and ask, can I help them with this, that, or the other? But some of them I've known for 10 years. So I've watched them go from middle school to high school into college and beyond. Wow. I'll tell you the coolest parts for me with that, and even when I'm working with brands, if there's an opportunity to give lift to a young woman's dream by giving her, you know, she's part of our campaign or, or you know, moment, and she gets money to build her nonprofit or you know, put that out in the world. For me, that is so gratifying. And I've seen that a number of times where I've been able to bring 
to the table amazing young girls who would never have seen the light of day of dollars and attention before, whose lives have literally transformed from that piece of exposure. And to me, that's not only that's good media, that's good marketing. That's just good. That's just G-O-O-D. That just feels good. No, so you true. Know? That's very true. Uh, the show is called Innovation Crush. Um, is there anything? Really? Else? I yeah, thought it was so on you know, Martha just, Stewart. What the hell she'll happened? She'll be here in a second. Okay, good. <laughs> um, I, I, somebody told an anecdote about when Paula Deen's pants fell down. And I've, ne- <laughs> I've never seen this, but they were like, yeah, our one video went viral when this happened. I was like, of course that did. But <laughs> and I've, I haven't Googled it yet, but um, I'll have to find that. Have you seen the Martha Stewart? No. no? Okay. Um, that's, that's next up on Innovation Crush. <laughs> yes, the show is called Innovation Crush. What out in the marketplace are you crushing on? What in the world have you you've seen that you go oh my gosh that's fantastic whether it's something you touched on or you just see from a distance oh space travel food i don't care which just well i'm always a fan of space travel <laughs> all right i want to be on that rocket ship nice. that richard branson sends to the moon yes i'm up for that um you know i'm uh i don't know if this is considered innovation it's a trend or thing that i'm following and looking at which is going to be the changing shift of um of the mom blogging community mm-hmm. and the way that um, platform is built for voices of moms out there, I think is really kind of cool. I think, and I hate calling them mommy bloggers because I think some of these women are brilliant writers yes. and, and have a bigger space than that. Um, I'm. This is going to also make me feel old and slightly out of touch, but I will say this because I did get a chance to do a program with Snapchat and Dove, and like I'll tell you what I love. So a lot of brands are always like, "How do I use that? What am I going to do with right. that?" Right? It's not always appropriate. Um, I had so much fun with that, and so what I loved about it were, and I think what I'm crushing on are sort of finding more and more of those unique micro moments of connectivity, not just shtick, but of connectivity, mm-hmm. um, and where we get those. Right? Snapchat was just one of those ways, but like I, I'm, I'm fascinated with where we're going to go there because I think as our attention spans get smaller and smaller, yep. and we're trying to reach girls in particular, they love that kind of like short burst of intimacy. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to the technology or programs that are going to give lift to that. Yeah, I mean, who would have thought a six second video platform would and so who would have thought that when it's bad six seconds feels like a long time exactly. <laughs> you're like exactly. when is this over exactly. forget about the uh, wolf of wall street uh, yeah it's a three hour commitment i can yeah. get it done in six 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 seconds uh so, and last but not least uh finish this phrase for me innovation to me is evolution innovation to me is an evolving of principles, ideas, values, um, because in that evolution, while it might feel slow, I think those were their innovative moments come from where you allow yourself to let go. It's that whole fixed mindset, you know, versus growth mindset, but letting go of what you thought it needed to be, what you think it has to be, and really letting you as a person evolve, letting your ideas evolve. And then I think eventually putting that innovative thought out there. Innovation is evolution. You say you want evolution. Well, Now we're taking this act on the road. We got a reality show out of this. We got a variety show. And an album. Dang. Yep. This is what Innovation Crush is all about. Collaboration. I hope I'm coming back. Come back, please. Speaking of coming back, how can people find you? Well, we just... How can people talk to Jess? Well, talk to Jess at www. <laughs> no, we're at jessweiner.com or talktojess.com. Um, that's the best way. I also have been known to tweet. Oh, yeah. you have like 10 or 11,000 followers, don't, don't you? Don't try You're to. I have almost 11. Yeah. Don't try to short. 10.7. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, no, I am at Twitter and um, we're also on Facebook. I mean, you can find me everywhere. 
everywhere. Well, you shout Jess me Meters out because are... I don't have as many followers as you. Yeah, do, so brother, what's your? People like, hey, follow Densonology. Look at Densonology. Organically plug myself. Yes. Well, listen, I don't know who's not following you, but they're done. Yeah, what's wrong with get these on, people? Get on with it. No, I mean, but the best thing I do want to make one kind of plug if anybody is listening and they're like huh i want to get involved but i don't work in brands or i do work in brands or whatever this is not yeah. a business pitch um we cultivate and curate a really awesome audience of influencers so if you are also somebody who's got something to say and you think you want to be a part of a think tank opportunity that kind of stuff yep. there's a way to get involved on our website that's a new feature that we just launched talk so. with jess talk with jess and the brand clients <laughs> <laughs> but okay. um but we'd love to have people stop by but yeah talk to jess.com that's fantastic well, thank you so much for coming by. This has been uh, fantastic. Everyone, this has been another amazing installment of a multi-hyphenated, uh, hyphenated, is that, can I do yeah, that? Yeah, I like Add it. an extra ED on there. Why not? Um, talented Jeff Wiener, thank you for joining us, and uh, we will talk to you next time. Thanks. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it. On the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleisinger, Schleisinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years, one of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash wait for it comedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.